0: You plant it, you grow it, you dry
1: it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes
0: down smooth hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform.
1: I smoke pot and I like it a lot.
0: <laughs> Cannabisradio.com presents The Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Yeah. Now, here's your host. Radical Russ Bellville. All right, good day, tokers
2: and tokens and non token lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, May 17th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. And it's definitely 420 right here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. We're back at Rolla J Studios, and I tell you, it's great to be back home, back in a legal state. Just got back here from Anchorage, Alaska, where I flew in yesterday and uh, brought you some highlights from the Northwest Cannabis Classic in Alaska. I've got another great highlight from that episode up there. Uh, It was my chance to meet a bona fide reality television star. So today, in lieu of the radical rant at the end of the show... We got a special edition of Cannabis Cinema. I got a chance to speak with Chip Hailstone and his wife, Agnes. They are two of the stars of National Geographic's Life Below Zero. They're subsistence hunters and gatherers north of the Arctic Circle, and the reality show follows them and others uh, living up there where it's really cold and the sun disappears for months at a time. Had some great conversations with Chip. Got to hang out with him and Agnes at uh, Alaska's 420 headquarters, the uh, Potluck Events in Anchorage. Got to be with him at the Expo. He was having a great time in the 70-degree weather. I got to gotta say, that's got to be so much nicer for him than it was for me. But uh, my interview with Chip Hailstone coming up at the end of the show. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have Activist's Agenda, and in the agenda today, We're speaking with Matt Mills from illegallyalive.org. This is another one of these great nonprofit organizations that are helping to bring the plight of our cannabis patients to light to let people know they'd rather be illegally alive than legally dead. Also, later on in Hour 2, we'll have some highlights from the Northwest Cannabis Classic, got some great interviews, including the Battle of the Radio Voices. I met another radio guy there from KICK66 uh, in Alaska. Dave Taylor will be on the show later today. Also, the gentleman behind Cardoso IT Solutions up in Alaska, and a great, great chef up there, Chef Samantha was doing a cooking demonstration with some, oh my gosh, some tomato bisque and and toasted cheese, and oh my gosh, it was great. We talked to her a little bit as well. We'll bring those to you in hour two. Also coming up on the show today, in lieu of drug war data mining, we're going to get into the cannabis Chronicles. We've got a call in from Scott Les. He's with Hayes Vaporizers, wants to talk a little bit about what's happening with the FDA vaporization and the various state rules on this emerging technology. So we'll talk about that. That comes right after behind the headlines and, uh, in behind the headlines today, a really interesting case coming out of Nebraska. Uh, one of these rare moments where somebody gets busted with tens of thousands of dollars in their car and they got it back. And not only did they get it back, they were found absolutely not guilty of all charges. Thanks to a quirk, of Nebraska Supreme Court precedent. So we'll take a look at that coming up in behind the headlines. It's kind of a complex little story. Also on the show, of course, we begin everything with the cannabis radio news. We got headlines from Governor John Hickenlooper in Denver, who seems to think pot's working now, legalization that is, is working now. My Congressman Earl Blumenauer wants to help our vets get medical marijuana through the VA. In Oklahoma, they're fighting to get medical marijuana in the ballot. We'll tell you how many signatures they need. Pueblo County, Colorado, sending kids to school thanks to marijuana taxes. Oakland, California, taking up my idea of drug war reparations. Palmer, Alaska in the news, the Matsu Valley. And we've got more on that medical marijuana bill in Columbus, Ohio. All that coming up next on the Russ Belville Show, live from Potland, Oregon.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Voober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. That
6: cancer is preventable.
4: The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
0: It's time for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News.
2: This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, May seventeenth, two 2016. Denver, Colorado, in an about face from statements made shortly after Colorado legalized marijuana. Governor John Hickenlooper says, quote, it's beginning to look like it might work, end quote. Shortly after Colorado became one of the first two states to legalize, Hickenlooper said that if he could, quote, wave a magic wand, end quote, to reverse the decision, he would. Calling the voters, quote, reckless and legalization, quote, risky, end quote. Speaking at the Milliken Institute Global Conference in Los Angeles, Hickenlipper said, quote, If I had that magic wand now, I don't know if I would wave it, end quote. Since legalization, Colorado has experienced some of the nation's lowest unemployment thanks to a $1 billion marijuana industry that contributed $100 million in tax revenue to the centennial state. Washington, D.C., from High Times. Congressman Earl Blumenauer is set to introduce an amendment to the 2017 Military Appropriations Bill later this week, which will prohibit using funds to enforce the Department of Veterans Affairs policy, banning its physicians from referring patients to medical marijuana programs. Under the amendment, VA medical providers would effectively be able to recommend medical marijuana to vets in states where it is legal. Blumenauer's plans to introduce the amendment in the House following the approval of a similar amendment in the Senate Committee. Together, Blumenauer said the proposals have a good chance of passing the legislature oklahoma city oklahoma supporters of a proposal to legalize medical marijuana in oklahoma have formally begun collecting signatures in an effort to put the question on the ballot oklahomans for health is collecting signatures saturday at businesses in oklahoma city tulsa lawton norman and bartlesville oklahomans for health has 90 days to collect the signatures of about sixty-six thousand registered voters in order to get the question on the november ballot Pueblo County, Colorado, marijuana taxes in Colorado are helping to send 25 economically disadvantaged Hispanic students to college. The Pueblo Hispanic Education Foundation is issuing 25 $1,000 grants to students, which Executive Director Beverly Duran notes are expanding the program to, quote, extraordinary lengths, end quote. At least half and as many as three quarters of the students in Pueblo County's high schools are battling poverty. Of the $135 million raised by Colorado's recreational and medical marijuana taxes, $35 million is dedicated to improving schools. Oakland, California. A controversial proposal for so-called drug war reparations in the form of marijuana licensing is set to be heard by Oakland City Council tonight. The proposal, which calls on awarding every other commercial marijuana license to people who have had a recent marijuana conviction or who live in one of six Oakland Police Department beats most heavily policed for marijuana, passed unanimously in its first reading last week. Councilmember Desley Brooks explicitly stated that her amendments would be a form of reparation for those most impacted by the drug war. Critics say the rules are unfair and would be easily circumvented by aspiring pop moguls who could simply use straw men with convictions or the right address to be their hired licensee. Palmer, Alaska, the mayor of Matanuska-Sustina Borough, otherwise known as Matsu, has vetoed a moratorium on marijuana businesses put forth by the Borough Assembly. Mayor Vern Halter said that the borough is months from finalizing regulations and should not be in the business of regulating marijuana besides collecting taxes, according to his veto statement. The Assembly can still override Halter's veto, which it will decide later this evening. Industry watchers are focused on the Matsu Valley for its long tradition of cannabis cultivation and its access to the urban Anchorage market. Market. Columbus, Ohio. A state Senate panel has delayed making changes to a proposal that would legalize medical marijuana in Ohio. The bill would bar patients from smoking the substance but allow them to use it in vapor form. They couldn't grow it at home. Communities could opt out of hosting dispensaries, and employers who want to maintain drug free workplaces would be protected from liability. The House passed the legislation last week. The Senate's Government Oversight Committee says changes anticipated Tuesday could now come Wednesday. Lawmakers want the fast-track bill to reach the governor by month's end. They're seeking to head off a proposed November ballot issue supported by the National Medical Marijuana Movement. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, May 17, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
4: With Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
0: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
7: And if standing for the Constitution make you a wacko bird, then I am a very, very proud
0: wacko bird. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs.
2: Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com.
0: Go wild hog in the woods. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
2: Today in the Cannabis Focus, I bring you some good news from the state of Nebraska. Mark this day down because you're not often going to hear me say good news from the state of Nebraska. This is a story that goes back to October of 2014 when the Lancaster County Sheriff's Deputy stopped a young man by the name of Eric Felsheim. His crime, he was following too closely. (laughs) He was on Interstate 80 just outside of Lincoln, Nebraska, and he was tailgating, following someone too closely. Uh Uh-huh, sure. But as he gets pulled over, the cop does his typical uh, question and answer session and finds out, because Eric doesn't know not to talk to cops, finds out that Eric is headed to Colorado. Okay, so you're on Interstate 80, headed to Colorado, and... Eric admitted that he was nervous. So the deputy asked if he had any drugs or large amounts of cash in the rental car. Oh, it's a rental car. I see. So you pulled over a rental car on IED West because it was following someone too close. I see. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, asked if there's any drugs or large amount of cash in the rental car. And uh, Eric says no. And then the cop asked if he could search the car. And he paused, but then said yes. Strike two for Eric, right? He's not listening to the Russ Belville show. Doesn't know not to assent to a search. Look, if a cop's asking if you can search, it's because he has to ask you to search. He doesn't have enough to go and search if he wanted to. If he's got enough to go for it, he's going to go for it. If he's asking you, say no. The worst thing that can happen is he finds a way to go for it. In which case, you're no worse off than had you said yes, and you're better off because your attorney can use the fact that you refused a search. I digress. So the cops search the car, and in the trunk they find $40,000 cash in a gym bag and $25,000 in a duffel bag. (laughs) $65,000 worth of cash. And you know this uh, Nebraska cop's eyes are lighting up because they know all about civil asset forfeiture, and they can just take that money. So they ask some more questions, and Eric, being the guy who doesn't listen to my show, Admitted he was going to Golden, Colorado to buy 10 pounds of pot to sell in Mankato, Minnesota, where he goes to college. The rest of the cash, that was his 40,000, right? The rest of the cash, the 25,000 was for his passenger, James, who planned to buy seven and a half pounds. So you got this Nebraska cop who finds $65,000, two young men in their twenties who go to school, University of Minnesota, who admit they're taking tens of, thousands of dollars, t- tens of thousands of dollars across Nebraska to go to Colorado to buy weed, 17 and a half pounds of weed, to take back to Minnesota. Well, of course, they're arrested. Cops arrested them both. And the prosecutors charged Eric uh, with two felonies. Possession of money intended to be used to facilitate a drug violation and aiding the consummation of delivery of a controlled substance. So drug money and trafficking drugs, basically. Now, the other kid, James, pleaded no contest to his charges, which were possession of marijuana and attempted possession of money while violating drug laws that were both misdemeanors. So the, the passenger got a couple of misdemeanors. Again, $25,000, the passenger admits he's got. Well, I don't know if the passenger admitted it. Eric admitted it. But anyway, passenger's got two misdemeanors. He pleads no contest. He gets 360 days in jail, almost a year in jail, and a $2,000 fine. And he finished his sentence April 25th. So the passenger did almost a year in jail. Eric, on the other side, though, decides to take it to trial. Maybe he was listening to my show because he decides to take it to trial. Now, both sides in the trial admit to all the facts. So there's no argument that, yep, I had $40,000 on me. I was driving it from Minnesota to Colorado to buy some weed. I was going to take that weed back to Minnesota and sell it to people. Everybody agreed. To that setup everybody agreed to those facts but here's the thing did he commit a crime in Nebraska he wasn't buying drugs in Nebraska he wasn't selling drugs in Nebraska and he didn't have any drugs in Nebraska now the defense attorney and my hat off to, hats off to this defense attorney his name's Tim Sullivan pointed to a ruling from a 1975 Nebraska Supreme Court case called State v. Karsten. And he argued that it's not against Nebraska law to conspire to break the law of another state. In that State v. Karsten ruling, this was a case where a man was convicted of conspiracy to assault a man in Colorado for planning and paying a man in Nebraska to commit the act. The assault never took place, and the conviction ultimately was overturned. So this was a case back in 1975 where a guy was going to pay a Nebraska guy to go to Colorado and beat up a guy in Colorado, but the, the beat-up, beat-down never happened. And so was it a crime to conspire in Nebraska to commit an assault in Colorado? And it was not under Nebraska law. Using that precedent, they got Eric off of all the charges. The judge said the state has legitimate interest in protecting its peace people from drug trafficking, but he had not yet committed a crime in Nebraska when he was stopped. He intended to buy the marijuana in Colorado and sell it in Minnesota. Although Nebraska law makes it a crime to possess money intended to be used to buy illegal drugs, the possession of the currency alone is not a crime. So the kid got off of all the charges. This is amazing. Great news coming out of the state of Nebraska.
3: I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession
2: of up to one ounce of marijuana. The uh, chief deputy county attorney there said the decision's not a good one, saying, here was someone admitting what he was doing and we didn't get a conviction. Ha <laughs> ha! Cue the Nelson Muntz laugh track. Hey, folks, it's 420 out in Denver, and when we come back, Cannabis Must Chronicles, Scott Lez from Hayes Vapes.
7: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com. Helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
0: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
3: Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line, Bud Bundy from Married with Children, Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store?
8: I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared. someone's going to take my picture here. What
3: are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on.
5: (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be a big shocker.
4: Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Mark Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Cannabis Business Chronicles. Welcome back, everybody. Today, in the Cannabis Business Chronicles, we have a guest joining us. Scott Les is on the phone. And, Scott, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks, and I hope I, got,
2: me. hope I got your last name and pronunciation okay. Is it Les? It's Les. Les. Less. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks yep. for being here. And uh, you're with uh, one of the great vaporizer companies out there and a, a new vaporizer you've got out there, the Hayes Dual V3. And I'm wondering if you could just give us, you know, a snapshot of what the Hayes Dual V3 vaporizer is and what makes it different from the other vaporizers out there.
5: Well, we are the first and only dual chamber vaporizer on the market. We have the ability to handle dry herb concentrates and e-liquids. Uh, we also distinguish ourselves as a very uh, versatile device uh, with the ability to have pre-packed cans, multiple different options with cans and screens, and removable batteries, which really kind of caters to an active on-the-go lifestyle and um, you know infinite possibilities as far as how you utilize it.
2: So with the, uh, the dual chamber technology here, I don't have to try to make herb and oil fit in the same spot, right?
5: You can, but no, you can uh, load each one of those chambers with whatever material type you like and uh, vape them um, independently.
2: Is, is, that, uh, is that recommended? I mean, I, I'm thinking it might be a cool way to make sure you're using the same temperatures or, or just cleaning the same substance on either side.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, we have four different temperature settings. You can set the temperature, um, you know, independently on each side. The chambers work independently. They will not work together. So, um, you can't put like concentrate in one and then dry herb in the other one. Um, like I said, you can kind of mix them in a can if you want, uh, which is a pretty unique experience. Um, a lot of very popular thing to do. Uh, but as far as how it works, um, you know, just having the four different temperature settings, and just having the ability to switch from one to the other, which is the flip of the switch, is something I think is really uh, very well sought after.
2: You know, there's only so much we can describe on radio, so give our listeners a, a website where they might see some pictures and they can follow along with what we're talking about.
5: You can check us out at www.hazevaporizers.com. Um, and we also have a Facebook page out there if you want to check us out there as well.
2: And that's haze like silver haze, not haze like Isaac Hayes. H-A-Z-E, vaporizers, is it plural?
5: Vaporizers.com? Vaporizers, yes, plural. Okay, Correct.
2: hazevaporizers.com, check that out. And why do you think uh, vaping is so popular these days? Uh, you know, I'm I'm an old joint smoker from back in the day, but everywhere I go now, I'm seeing a lot of people using vaporizers.
5: I think there's a number of advantages vaporizers hold over traditional combustion. Um, first and foremost is health. You're not introducing a lot of the carcinogens that you're getting with burning. Um, so that's a huge factor. Um, certainly folks that have, um, you know, lung issues or, or breathing issues, I think it's a, it's a much safer alternative there. But beyond that, there's other benefits as well. Uh, the smell is a little less intrusive. Um, it's more efficient, and the taste is a heck of a lot better because you're not introducing all the, the burning and the ash and everything that comes along with combustion. So you would be surprised how good your stuff tastes through a vaporizer. Some people don't even realize it, and the hmm. first time they use a vaporizer, they're they're shocked at how good their medicine tastes.
2: We're speaking with Scott Less from. Hayes vaporizers.com check them out in their new product the Haze dual v3 vaporizer and I'm glad you brought up the health benefits because I'm calling you from Oregon where our legislature just added not just cannabis smoke but cannabis vapor to the secondhand smoke clean air act laws what are some of the challenges you guys are facing as an industry these vaporizer industry I know the FDA is starting to look at this too
5: Yeah, I mean, there's some things that are coming around, and I don't want to get into a lot of detail on it. I'll just say that, you know, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. There's studies that need to be done. Um, I think at the end of the day, there's not a lot of dispute that vaping is a safer alternative than smoking. Nobody's saying that vaporizing is good for you. It's just that it's better for you than smoking. Um, So there's a lot that has to be evaluated and I think the vaporizer industry historically has done a pretty darn good job of policing themselves. Um, if you go on to a lot of the forms, people, that's one of the main reasons people are getting into vaping is the health benefits. So they want to make sure that the air path and and the device and the materials that they're being used to build the device are all safe and clean. Uh, so again, that's one of the reasons why the industry has already kind of self-governed itself. And I think that that's going to kind of come out, um, you know, through a lot of this legislation that's coming out. And it's going to be an interesting ride, but uh, we feel we're in a pretty good position to to be uh, there at the end of it.
2: The product is the Hayes Dual V3 Vaporizer System. You can find them at com. And, uh, Scott, are there other contact information or Facebook pages you'd like to tell our listeners about?
5: Um, you know, we, we're also on Instagram, um, but, you know, really – our website has a wealth of information. Um, we spend a lot of time focusing on education, not just about our vaporizers specifically, but the benefits of vaporizing. We've got a blog that has other related topics. Um, so in a lot of videos that we help support um, from a training standpoint, uh, how to clean your device, you know, basic things. And I think that's really an area that we've worked hard to try to differentiate ourselves, and I feel pretty good about it.
2: All right. Well, Scott, thanks for telling us about it. The Hayes Dual V3 Vaporizer System, dual chamber vapes, good for flour, good for oil, and all sorts of ways. Check it out at HazeVaporizers.com to learn all about it. Scott, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck.
5: Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
2: All right. Stick around, folks. When we come back, we'll be getting into the activist agenda. We're going to speak with Matt Mills from IllegallyAlive.org. Then after that, in our Cannabis Cinema, we've got Chip Hailstone from Nat Geo's Life Below Zero.
0: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: websites today need Contact Orange Hill for consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
0: This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs' offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. New Era.
0: Activism begins with act. The Russ Belville show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to Prohibition in today's Activist Agenda.
2: Welcome back everybody, and I'd hope to go to the activist agenda, but as you can hear, nothing but hold music on the conference call number I was given to dial my friends out at illegallyalive.org. Not their fault, folks. My fault. Uh, It was uh, a long time trying to set this interview up, and I had to bump them a couple times, and they maybe just lost it off their calendar. So instead, we take you to Anchorage, Alaska, and the Northwest Cannabis Classic. Some of my interviews, starting with a good one with Dave Taylor from Kick 66. Welcome back, everyone. Radical Russ here on the floor of the Northwest Cannabis Classic and Expo, and it's time for Battle of the
9: Radio Voices. We've got a radio professional joining us. Tell folks your name and your station. I run Funtime Oldies, Kick 66, and it's a oldie station. Plays music from the 60s through the 90s. My name is Dave Taylor, and I live here in Anchorage.
2: Fantastic, Dave, and you're a, a longtime uh, broadcast veteran, I understand.
9: That is correct. Yes, I've been here in Anchorage for about twenty-five years, been on the air, uh, but my radio interest goes back to when I was five years old. My heroes were like Dan Ingram and so forth from WABC New York, LS Chicago. Back during the days of the flamethrower AM stations, That's and you probably remember those things.
2: I remember a few of them on long road trips, picking up the AM dial, you know, late at night. It would bounce oh, for yeah. thousands and thousands of miles. Growing up in uh,
9: in uh, Boise, Idaho, I used to listen to KGO out of San Francisco. Right, right, exactly. Well, I was ABC New York, L.S. Chicago, KBW uh, in uh, Buffalo, New York, and B.C. Boston, all those stations back because I grew up in the Northeast near Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, one of the TV shows that was my favorite that I used to watch, it was called... a little show called American Bandstand with Dick Clark. He was only on WFIL, Channel 6, Philadelphia. And then, of course, obviously, the rest is history when they expanded and moved to L.A. But yes. I do remember those days because I'm now 66. So, Wow. So you've, you've had a long career
2: in broadcast, in radio. You've been here in Alaska for a long time. How has it been as it's become legal here, medical and then legal in Alaska, with respect to the broadcast journalism and and, and the way they covered the issue or the, you know, there's sometimes a lot of pop puns or snickering. Have they become more mature on this issue,
9: you think? I would say so, yes. I haven't really been involved with that end of it a lot because this is fairly new to me coming back into this. And uh, I believe that there is going to be more really good dialogue concerning this as we get the word out. That's what we're about doing here is getting the word out that that we're not all just like alcoholics or whatever this really has a benefit i i'm i'm a retired military veteran and i also have issues from the military as well that i deal with and the marijuana helps call me it it helps me in this so and i am just recently really been discovering this to myself so yes uh there has been more open dialogue with cheeky monkey and and things there and i'm airing that getting into that getting the word out you know that hey this is really good stuff and it's and it's you know it helps you You know uh reaching out to all sorts of audiences out there as you reach
2: out to folks your age the older audience that maybe came up with this through the vietnam era the the woodstock era are there any surprises or things that you coming back into this you went wow
9: things have really changed i would say so In the quality of the product. Yeah. I would say there has been lots of upgrades, lots of changes in the quality of the product. And now that it's actually coming out with what we're doing here and bringing it into the mainstream and out of the, you know dark areas and so forth. I really like that, what's happening. I really like what I'm seeing happening in the industry here and in other places where it has been legalized. So, yeah. All right, Dave, tell our listeners where they can pick you up online or over the airwaves. All right. I'm internet only right now, and I have two stations, KICK 66 and the Masters Mix, and they're both listed on TuneIn Radio. If you downloaded the TuneIn Radio, it's a very popular app available for iPhone, Android, and the Windows phones, and you look under Alaska, and I'm the only two internet stations listed there. So that's how you can find me, or on Shoutcast. Uh, and then... And there's AHA Radio as well. I'm on that one. in some of the car apps, you'll find my stations there. So, yep. Thanks. Excellent work, Dave, dominating the internet radio here in Alaska. And thanks for being here at the show. All right, Russ, thank you very much. And thank you for being here as well. Enjoyed it.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Northwest Cannabis Classic and Expo. Radical Russ here on the floor. Day one. And we're here at the desk for Cardoso IT Solutions. And we're speaking with Thomas Craig. How you doing, Thomas? Excellent. Can't complain. So IT solutions, I imagine we're talking
1: about uh, controlling people's point of sale, their inventory. Tell us a little bit about what you're offering. Good question. We do offer that, um, but on top of that, we provide solutions for security for the industry. So point of access control, monitor alarm systems, uh, camera systems that all meet the state regulations and beyond that. Other things that we are providing is for the personal use market, something to secure their home with too. So
2: do you come from the uh, traditional security area and then are adapting to now the cannabis
1: industry? What we're doing is we're bringing um, different professional sides of this business all together into one. So I do come from the alarm side of it. And then Fernando, he comes from the IT solution. So we are mending those two together, providing a one-stop solution. For your the consumers out there that might be looking into these products, uh, do they need
2: to have an extensive IT background? Do they need to have specific uh, hardware,
1: Apple PC, Unix, any of that stuff? Right, that can get confusing. Um, that's where we come in. We integrate that all in for you, so that way it's not a problem. We're able to adapt a lot of different systems because we custom build these uh, systems for you. Okay, so that somebody's already got some IT investment, they're not going to have to reinvent everything. They're going to have to put
2: take everything down and get new stuff
1: exactly we're not taking something off the shelf and saying hey this is your new solution we're able to adapt to what you have in place so that way it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg how long have you been in business and what got you involved well i've been in business with the alarm side for more than five years now and just a a, a passion to provide this service to alaska it's a unique market and this is a way to get out and help people out brand new industry so it's very exciting to help out this and, and see it grow
2: Do you find any uh, special considerations that you have to use for this industry compared to others?
1: Yeah, I would say just because this is built from the ground up all at once right now. These businesses were not uh, able to start out um, already, and so they need everything. So from the ground up, that's kind of the need all in one at one time. How about uh, real-time reporting? Is this accessible through the web or in different ways
2: of getting reports for the customer?
1: Yes, and so there's different uh, devices, different avenues that you can access the system, I think is the question correct? Yep. Yeah, so you can, uh, you can check out your system if you're in California and your place is on the Kenai. You can get notification if, a, if uh, uh, somebody leaves a door open for more than five minutes. It's very um, interactive and customizable for each end user.
2: I was looking at your uh, screen in the background. I saw something about drones. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so this is the exciting uh, industry of technology that we're able to bring out some of the newer things. And uh, people who are looking to utilize this service uh, for outdoor operations, instead of putting up 20 cameras, you can use a drone to actually track if there is an event that's triggered. So instead of having to have all these cameras, you can have a drone Uh, minimize the camera usage and and follow that around. So say if there's a a break detected in a fence, it goes and flies over to that break or something? Correct, so it does integrate in with the uh, monitored security system. So if there's um, something triggered, it will know to go fly over there and it could track uh, that person Oh, or that moose, whatever it be, <laughs> around for you. So, yeah, yeah, it's exciting.
2: Is, is this both visual and, like, say, infrared for, you know, night
1: detection or something? Exactly, yes. It would be equipped. Uh, certain models are equipped for both those, night and day, yeah. And then it could read thermal, uh, thermal, uh, you know, signature, so it will be able to follow that person around. So, uh, as long as
2: it's anything but one of the Predators... He should be okay. The predator monster—I don't think he can t- 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 detect.
1: Technology has gotten that good yet to, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's got us on that one. Yeah. Well, fortunately, predators are allergic to weed. A lot of people didn't know that. If only Schwarzenegger had known. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. That's all you got to do is just plant a couple of doobies around, and then you'll be secured. So tell folks uh, in our audience how they can get in touch with Cardoso IT Solutions online. Uh, great. You can check out our website, uh, Cardozo IT Solutions, or on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. We're on uh, all, the, all the avenues, so uh, t- we, we tweet from time to time, too, so we're out there. All
2: right. Thomas Craig with Cardoso IT Solutions. Thanks for being here at the Expo, and uh, have a great show. Thank you.
1: Radical rest here at the cooking
2: demonstration at the Northwest Cannabis Classic and Expo and we're speaking with Chef Samantha. Hi Samantha.
6: Hi, how are you? Uh,
2: I'm I'm high. How are you?
6: <laughs> I'm pretty high myself. I'm having a good day.
2: She handed me this wonderful uh, half piece of toasted bread with Well, tell 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 us what it is.
6: So pretty much uh, it's a two-in-one recipe. What we did was we did a jalapeño popper earlier with a roasted pan-seared halibut. It just had some, um, you can, if you want, toss in some herbal butter to saute your halibut. Throw in some salt, pepper, garlic powder. Make that a little soft. Then you toss it in with um, a bacon special cream cheese. And we stuff that and top it off with the Monterey Jack cheddar. And this is our take on a crostini.
2: I would testify that it is incredibly delicious. I just had one. Oh, my God, that's good. So is that infused?
6: It can be. Um, So far right now, we can't uh, actually give out infused samples, but we want to teach people how to actually incorporate it into their daily menus and how to just know that wheat isn't just for baked goods. Wheat isn't just for cookies. It's not for Rice Krispies. Heck, do duck confit. Bake it twice a day. Do something you love. That is what cooking is for. And we're just here to make it a little bit greener, a little bit sweeter, and to put a smile on your face and relax your body at the end of the day. You were the ones who were burning everything. Oh, oh you're fine. TV. That's fine. I'm, I'm not
2: on TV. No, it's radio. Okay. Don't worry so about it. Nobody can see you. No one knows who almond, you are.
6: Jalapeno, pepper, jack, crostini.
9: Great.
2: How's it? Isn't that great?
6: Has it got stuff in?
2: <laughs>
6: okay. No, 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 no. No? But cooking is our passion it's something we've loved to do both of us since we were kids um and you know once we kind of got into our own little cycles of smoking weed and exploring our lives and seeing what this industry really is about we learn cooking isn't just like weed isn't just for your pipe it's not just for sitting at home hanging out with the homies it's for making a good down home meal where people can enjoy it they can come relax and they can know that hey, I'm going to feel good after this dinner. I'm not going to feel tired. No, I'm going to want to chill. I'm going to relax. Possibly. I really? mean, it's definitely the thought. Um, one of the things we've touched on is possibly an Amsterdam cafe. So bring a little okay. bring a little half and half to the Anchorage area. Right. Because right now we don't really have anything in the area that is kind of catering to that particular stretch. A lot of it's just kind of... Industries and it's a little pop-up shops here and there. But we want to have something that is going to change the future of the restaurant industry. And that's what we're going for. We just want to put smiles on people's faces and give them food that they're really going to enjoy.
2: Does adding cannabis as an ingredient change some of the ways you have to cook foods?
6: You know, it really does. Uh, Cannabis itself is actually kind of nutty. Um, it's got this really nice, almost in between a pine nut and a walnut flavor. And that changes everything. I mean, do you want it to be a little nutty? Do you want it to be a little sweet? You know, and you have to kind of figure out that balance and what really works for you. So luckily, it does change it, but not dramatically. It's kind of like cooking with applesauce or even cooking with coconut oil versus butter. Like, it's that mild of a difference.
2: So in making different cannabis-infused foods, are there certain foods that enhance the effect of cannabis? I've heard mango for one, but do you know of any others?
6: Um, actually, I found Finish pomegranate. It, yeah. Pomegranate, actually the tartness in it, brings out a little bit more of the THC because it draws out the moisture from the leaves and it creates this really nice, almost musk-like, musky kind of sweet berry flavor. I love it
2: what's your favorite dish to make with cannabis
6: <laughs> that would probably have to be um the teriyaki gyoza and we're going to be doing a uh we're going to be doing a mock version of that here and it's going to be a pork and ginger gyoza with a buttered teriyaki sauce
2: when is this happening
6: it's going to be happening around five thirty, i believe
2: I know where I'll be at 5.30. That sounds delicious, Samantha. Tell our listeners out there how they can get in touch with you if you have a website or Facebook
6: or anything. Um, if you want to get in touch with myself or Shane Pagel, you can see you can check us out on Facebook. I'm actually going to be starting a page for us. And uh, that way we can kind of promote our foods and promote some of the culinary explorations we're seeing around Anchorage. Um But you can also reach me at Samantha Oliver on Facebook, Um, Sam11, SamOliver11 on Instagram. Follow us. Uh, We'll we'll be posting up pictures and what we're going to be coming up with next.
2: Thanks so much for being here and doing these great demonstrations. You've got the overhead camera. You've got the uh, mics going here and the nice uh, kitchen setup. Uh, What are you going to be making next?
6: Um, Right now, we're going to actually let our fellow cannabis enthusiasts, Baked Alaska, they're going to come up and they're going to do a how-to on making butter itself. So I'm actually pretty excited about that because, I mean, no one way of making butter is really right. Because everyone's different, everybody's body highs are different, so it'll be nice to see a different...
2: Great time at the Northwest Cannabis Classic, and I tell you... Those cannabis edibles that uh, Chef Samantha was putting out, really good. They weren't even infused, because, uh, well, the uh, cops there at the Denina Center, the uh, organizers for some reason let the cops wander around all day, and so they kind of put the kibosh on some of the things that some of these vendors were planning to do. If you get my drift. I'll tell you more about Alaska, America's last frontier, and the best of the legalized states in some ways. I'll tell you which way is an hour or two. Stay tuned. My interview with Chip Hailstone from Nat Geo's Life Below Zero
0: is up next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The
3: next generation of vaporizers has arrived.
6: Yo, 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 it's your boy T
3: James,
2: Turn that James, you listen to Doctor Bean on Cannabis Confidential.
7: Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com
2: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer. Or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. As marijuana moves into the mainstream, more filmmakers are taking a look at all aspects of cannabis culture. These days, marijuana movies are about more than hiding from Sargent Stadanko or trying to get to White Castle for the munchies. Join with us as we explore the latest in the cannabis cinema. Hey everybody, Radical Russ here at the Northwest Cannabis Classic, day one, and I've run into a bona fide reality star, Chip Hailstone, his wife Agnes from Nat Geo's Life Below Zero.
8: How are you doing? We're doing excellent, better than about 10 minutes ago before we were through the door.
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and uh, certainly way above zero here in Anchorage, it's a it's, summertime out there like 60 70 degrees
8: yep four days ago we snow machined to Kotzebue we flew down here and we're in our t-shirts this is (laughs) awesome
2: it's nice out here Uh, so you've been doing this show now you said
8: what is it the fourth season you're filming now year fourth year and it's the seventh season because you divide them into two summer and winter
2: okay so no idea why
8: (laughs) and and for the folks that uh, don't have cable or haven't seen your show give them a basic idea of what the show's about Uh, The show basically watches me and my wife and our family for four days. Um, They get what they get, whether we get something or not, and we are subsistence hunters, fishers, and um, gatherers. And we basically make a living from the land by hunting, gathering, and getting our own food, our own fuel for uh, heating our house. And then we take the other products from them, like um, antlers, ivory, skins, and we make museum displays. And those displays uh, make us enough money to buy more gas and parts and go out and go do it again. So you're up above the Arctic Circle,
2: living off the land, And they're out there just filming the travails, the ups and downs, and the danger that you guys face up there. You know, bears, wolves, all sorts of
8: stuff, right? Yep, Yep. you basically hit it, except for we're the most dangerous thing on the tundra to the bears and the wolves. (laughs) And the caribou, I understand. Oh, and the caribou. That's our favorite food. So, yeah, we got to run them down. None of this stuff is harvested. We're not farmers. I hate that word because I'm a hunter. And uh, nothing stands stills and waits for us. We have to look for it. We have to track it. We have to hunt it down. We have to take its life and then uh, then we have to process it so the work only it never stops work is only work is a work because we're either working to get there or we're working when we've got it
2: so uh, you, how many hours a day are you spending you know to survive
8: Well, we sleep nine hours a day because we got to be rested, and then the rest of the day is probably spent on either taking care of the kids, taking care of the house, taking care of the camp, taking care of the boat, or whatever needs to be done. And we're always in a kind of constant state of flux. We move all the time, and we take our kids with us most of the times, but um, now the three youngest kids are in school, so we're kind of sedate in the fall time and half of the winter, and then me and the wife take off. And the older children have either their own homes and their own families, or the ones that don't yet are off running like with their heads cut off, basically exploring the world. And we kind of, you know, help that, too. We kick them money and give them jobs to do and and uh, try to let them see what it is that we do and how we make a living. And if they want to follow that, great. And if not, they can go off to college and the other things that they've done and just enjoy themselves. How long have you been living this way? Well, me and her have been together for 25 years. She's my first wife. I'm her second husband. But we've been living like this since we got together, huh? So maybe 27 years now.
2: Wow. And uh, what's the... Uh Ever ever close to death? I imagine so,
9: right?
8: Well, close to death because we are death. Yes, we're basically running things down because we hunt things. And uh, we've had a few close calls ourselves, and it's sure. something we're avoiding like any other animal, you know, out there. But um, we're the humans, and we're part of the ecosystem, and we look at ourselves as kind of the top predator. And, um, other than that, we look at ourselves as providers and hunters and in my wife's social life in, and not her social life, but in her, her whole society, it's all based around hunting. So there's the sharing, there's the good food, there's the clean food, there's the hard work that goes with it and the health. And when I'm 90, I'll probably still be walking around looking for caribou.
2: <laughs> so we're at the Northwest cannabis classic. Uh, how much does cannabis work into your life as far as, you know, natural medicine and sustenance?
8: Well, you know, I was an occasional smoker until about maybe four years ago, and then we had some uh, troubles come upon us, and um, to tell you the truth, to take the stress out of the end of my day, I'd spark up a joint probably about, you know, once or twice a week, and um, I I quit drinking alcohol in 2000, and um, if I feel like having myself a joint or something I'm kind of sporadic and uh, it's a here and there thing but um, I do enjoy getting stoned I must admit that and I like uh, taking the end of my day and relaxing and letting the aches go away and and um, just hitting the bed and sleeping hard um, I find myself like if I if I don't have weed not really any different but um, the relaxation aspect isn't always there I don't like laying in bed wanting to take like aspirin or Tylenol to relax my back or to get my hand working again or or to take the chill away because the cold really works your body out And my wife, she's a fairly regular smoker, so I just go hit her up and say, hey, (laughs) pass that thing on over here. That's excellent. And being
2: north of the Arctic Circle, of course, you know, half the year the sun's not even there. So how difficult is it to come by cannabis around your parts?
8: Oh, cannabis is very common. Um, Folks have been smoking here in Alaska for a long time. There's a lot of folks up there that smoke themselves. And then, of course, there's the black market that's got a heavy undercurrent. And um, nobody really disturbs that or hasn't disturbed that because alcohol is a felony to have up there. Um, Oh,
2: we're talking about like native lands or something?
8: No, not native lands. Actually, the borough um, voted alcohol to be illegal, and only Kotzebue sells it. And um, I, myself, am a fireman and an EMT, and uh, my wife, too, And because we need to save ourselves. Sometimes you've got to save other people. But we've had a trail of destruction between Kotzebue and the uh, villages there because people will drink and crash or drink and get lost or just, you know, be stupid, basically. You know, stupor, stupid, same thing, it's alcohol. (laughs) But I haven't ever once picked up anybody with broken arms, you know, from marijuana. I've never once dealt with a fight or domestic violence. I've never once dealt with a a house fire that didn't involve marijuana, or involve marijuana, didn't involve alcohol. So it's kind of a crazy thing. I, I can blatantly see the benefits of people being able to relax enjoy their day and socialize through the aspects of using marijuana and the dabs and the other stuff versus having a drink at night with their buddies and it is a much better thing and so we're here and we're thinking of getting into the retail aspect of it all and we want to be as legal as possible so to tell you the truth, this place is very interesting to us and we've barely gotten in here
2: Alright, so you're talking about retailing up there, up yes. north of the Arctic Circle?
8: Yes, basically retailing in the villages and we could bring the prices down I think and make it more available you know and if you've got a place where you consider it like um, maybe not a bar, but like where people have to give an ID and they have to purchase things. Do everything as legal as possible, and um, just let people enjoy themselves like they already are. But with uh, you know no no police in their head, no in trouble or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah,
2: people in the lower forty-eight have no idea how large Alaska is. Give them some idea. How far away is your area, and how? expansive are
1: we talking?
8: From Anchorage, we're 580 miles from where we live. Um, The area, the borough that we live in has, I think, 8,700 people it's got 225,000 caribou. It's the size of Indiana and is spread out between 11 villages and the major hub is Kotzebue, which has about 3,700 people. So you're talking a lot of land, a lot of animals and very, very few people. So it's not going to be an exclusive idea that we've got, but we would like to hit each village and at least be able to provide, you know, the opportunity for people to get marijuana. And um, we've noticed in a lot of villages, especially with villages that have um, police enforcement that are pro-marijuana, you have a lot less arrests, a lot less domestic violence a lot less people going nuts because they're stuck you know during the freeze up or the breakup and um, you know people just chill out on weed so if we can help mitigate you know the problems there with providing marijuana that's what we want to do so chip you're getting back to uh, back to the show
2: does it change how you go about your daily life, having these other people watching you with cameras and such?
8: Well, in, in a way, it does change things. But honestly, we raise seven kids doing this exact same stuff. And having four adult cameramen, usually down paired down to one when we're hunting. But, you know, the crew with us is like taking a bunch of adult kids. <laughs> and they wipe their own butts and feed their own face. And when they get cold, they can put a jacket on without being told. So it's actually kind of a benefit. And then we get um, a compensation. And this year, the compensation finally got good. So we're kind of enjoying ourselves. The first time we've been to Anchorage in six or seven years. and. Wow. Yeah, so we just wanted to come down and take care of a few things we had to take care of and and enjoy the cannabis.
2: Let's do this. Let's enjoy the Northwest Cannabis Classic. Chip and Agnes, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us, and and good luck on the show.
8: Yeah, never a problem, Russ. I hope to see you again. All
2: right. We're going back (laughs) right after this. Stick around. The Northwest Cannabis Classic is going to be making its way to Tacoma, Washington. I believe that's in August, and to Portland, Oregon in December. I will be emceeing both of those uh, Have a good working relationship With Corey and Kendra Ray Covering all three of the Northwest Cannabis Classics I got to be the MC for the awards show This year as well Evan Schlossberg From Matanuska Thunderseeds Seeds uh, Took away three awards I believe That night And there's plenty others You can check out nwclassic.com I'm sure they'll have the winners listed up there I was a winner because I got to meet Dave, the man behind the Arctic Blue Strain, and I don't know how I left Alaska without an interview with that guy. Oh, yeah, I remember. He kept getting me stoned. That's all the time we got for hour one. Stay tuned, hour two is next. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
0: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Rust Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com.
9: You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you
7: grow it, it, it you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. it smoking, and it goes down to Earth. <laughs>
2: All right. Welcome back, everybody. Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio is happening. It's happening right now, live on CanvasRadio.com. Glad you could be here. I'm back from Anchorage, Alaska. What a good time I had in Alaska. Got to unwind a few things here while we're back in town. I've been getting a a little bit more coverage uh, in other media lately. Um, coming up soon, and I don't know how soon, but coming up soon, there will be an interview with me in family circle magazine. Yes. That family circle magazine with like the crocheting and the, you know, (laughs) family circle, like on your grandma's coffee table, family circle magazine. Yes. I'll be talking about weed in family circle magazine. So I don't know when that comes out. I'm looking forward to that. Most recently, Yesterday, as a matter of fact, an article came out uh, written by Mona Zhang on TheInfluence.org. The title is, In the Legal Weed Business, How Deep Does the Suits Versus Stoners Schism Run? Now, uh, I got interviewed about this. There's a lot of people interviewed in it, actually, but I was pretty prominently interviewed in this as the Kind of the um I don't know, the anti, the critic, I guess it would be, of the commercialization of weed. And it's it's interesting to be in that position because <laughs> from the from the suits side, I'm like the stoner, right? Who's saying, Oh, privateer Marley Naturals, you're not benefiting the Jamaican gondra farmer, right? But then to the stoner side, like when I supported issue three in Ohio, I'm the, Oh, you terrible corporate bastard. <laughs> like, I can't win. I'm kind of in the middle. Cause I actually am kind of in the middle, right? Like, I'm not anti-capitalism. I, and if, in fact, I think capitalism has done more in the past five years to legalize marijuana than activism did in the previous 35. Money talks in this society. Money's what make things work here. And it's all well and good that, you know, we're, we're legalizing. Uh, and it should be because it's a civil justice issue. It should be because it's the right thing to do, but it being the right thing to do, never got it legalized, unfortunately. And it should, I mean, (laughs) we're supposed to be, you know, somebody keeps telling me we're a Christian country. I see it on Fox news all the time. Right. Well, I, (laughs) I can't see it in this respect. And, and when it, uh, when it comes to this legalization happening, I'm glad that capitalism has moved it forward because capitalism has moved a lot of our, our issues forward. I mean, even if you look back to the civil rights movement, there was a degree of that that had to do with losing money, with looking bad, right? When Ray Charles wouldn't play in uh, the segregation of South, you know, costing money, it started to cost people money. That's where it became a problem. And it's just the way things are, unfortunately. I don't necessarily like it, but you have to be a realist and realize what changes people's mind. The gay rights movement, to some extent, uh, again, about money, recognizing, hey, there's there's money left on the table here for discriminating against these people. And people in the creative and uh, design industries brought a lot of attention to these issues. And we recognize how much economic power there was in a lot of these groups. And, and I think the same thing's happening with marijuana. And I don't think it has to be a bad thing. It just is a thing. It's a force of nature, right? It's our job as the activists to recognize the reality and keep bending the capitalism toward the social justice. And I think it could be done. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back.
0: This is The Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
7: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
0: The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. Get ready to hear something good about cannabis.
9: I give you Jasmine Huff.
0: Tell us a little bit
3: about Jasmine. Give us the good news about how you've gotten to where you are
6: today. Like all good children, I rejected my parents' values and and ran off to become a capitalist in New York City and did a lot of work with an organization called Women 2.0. Looking at the cannabis industry, I said, you know what? Here we have a brand new industry. It's going to be a billion dollar industry. And the rules of who leads this industry and who funds this industry haven't been written yet. Good news, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at FingerboardExtension.com.
0: Warning, Its taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Ha <laughs>
2: ha. Oh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Radical Russ here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. My apologies go out to the group, the gang out there at IllegallyAlive.org. I just received an email from them at... Uh, Oh, I see. <laughs> oh my goodness. They sent a different number. It was a different number for me to contact him today, the but they sent it while the show was already getting prepped and I missed the response. And oh my god. We'll get the, we'll get this fixed, guys, but I gotta say, a conference call number may not be the best way to pull this off. We'll see what we can do, and my apologies again to illegally alive. I completely support what they're doing. So, uh, let's make sure we can get them some attention. Check out illegallyalive.org. Now back to this, uh, article in the weed, in the legal weed business. How deep does the suits versus stoners schism run? This is, uh, posted on the influence.org by Mona Zhang just yesterday. And I was interviewed in this piece. It did a bit on privateer holdings. And it talks a bit about, you know, this, this call in the marijuana movement, in the marijuana industry to rebrand cannabis. This cultural conflict, they say it was once a countercultural underground operation. Many in the industry are calling to rebrand cannabis and shed the stoner sigma, stoner stigma. Those calls rub some people the wrong way. Quote, some of us take a little bit of an insult to it, says Russ Bellville, a cannabis activist who hosts a show on CannabisRadio.com. It's as if who and what we are is somehow a negative, end quote. And it tells the story of Cannabrand. You remember me in 2014 getting on these uh, two activists or two uh, founders, uh, Olivia Mannix and Jennifer DeFalco. They were profiled in the New York Times on this idea about rebranding cannabis saying we're weeding out the stoners. And there was immediate backlash to that. Uh, and one of the companies mindful, which is a dispensary group cut their ties with Cannabrand saying their comments, quote conflict with our company values. We understand that these comments were hurtful and insulting to the industry and to the many who have fought so hard for years in the name of patient rights and safe access. Meg Sanders, CEO of Mindful, said in a statement at the time. And DeFalco said, we never meant to put anyone down when we were talking about that. We were strictly talking about the image of cannabis in advertising. But still stand by their original uh, comments. The industry needs to change its image in order to be taken seriously. And if it's still associated with that negative stigmatized stereotype, it's going to be a lot harder for policies to change. Then they get into talking to Brendan Kennedy uh, with Privateer, which owns Marley Natural. And they've come under, come under criticism for appropriating Bob Marley and Jamaican culture. Now, it's not so much, and I wrote about this when it first happened, it's not so much that, you know, Bob Marley has a cannabis brand. We'd expect that to happen. It's that the guy behind it, for years and years, was pointing out the negative image of marijuana and using Bob Marley specifically as an example of the negative image of marijuana. That was the problem. It was, we need to not have everything about marijuana be all colors and Bob Marley attitude. And then suddenly, when a deal could be made with Rita Marley and the Marley estate to make a whole bunch of money off of Bob Marley's name, oh, all of a sudden, Brendan Kennedy has an epiphany. Oh, uh, suddenly I ah, now I see what the problem is. Oh, it's because he's a visionary and a philosopher and yada, yada, yada. It's the same whitewashing of Bob Marley's legacy that I saw at Orlando, Universal Orlando theme park that wouldn't let me in with a pot leaf belt buckle, but has a huge banner for a Bob Marley tribute that they're putting on. How the hell do you tribute Bob Marley and not show a pot leaf, not mention a pot leaf? It's that same problem I've got with Brendan Kennedy, right? So... His explanation, his response to that, listen to this quote. Over the last 20 to 30 years, a lot of bootleg product producers have appropriated his image really unfairly. I would see all these trinkety bric-a-brac products that were using his image in an unlicensed manner. Those products brought down his legacy and insulted his legacy. Do you know how much unlicensed bric-a-brac that I saw when I was in Jamaica? I know all those Jamaicans are selling all those trinkets with images of Bob Marley are not licensed through the Marley estate. But they're making more money off of it and supporting the actual people of Jamaica doing so than what the hell privateer is doing selling mid-grade cannabis with Bob Marley's name on it. For, for the, for the big-time CEO millionaires to point their fingers at some street people that might have put some Bob Marley logo on a trinket they're selling in the streets of Kingston or the grill or hell, even New York city or Chicago. That takes, that takes a special grade a gargantuan set of testicles. Doesn't it? Almost the same level of testicular fortitude you'd have to have to name your company privateer. Do you know what a privateer is folks? A privateer is essentially a government licensed pirate ship. It is an armed ship used primarily during wartime headed by private ship, you know, private crew, private captain, private crew. They're not in the military in any way, but they have special government license to be armed ships to, attack and plunder other merchant ships, particularly merchant ships of the enemy. That's what a privateer is. So you got a privateer picking up Bob Marley's name, huh? That that doesn't bode well, does it? So anyway, I'm quoted in, in respect to that. It says, Belville, who has been a vocal critic of Marley Natural, calls Kennedy's comments, quote, interesting spin. Let's keep in mind they're benefiting Rita Marley. They're not benefiting growers in Jamaica, says Belville. It may be too soon to tell, but maybe they will take some of these profits and reinvest in Jamaica, end quote. And uh, Kennedy responds by saying activists continually express support for what we're doing. They ask us for money all the time. Activists reach out to us for help because we can do things to end prohibition that they can't, and that's the end game, end quote. And that's great, and it's good that privateers put money into legalization campaigns. It's good that they've funded advocacy groups. Doesn't necessarily take away the stain of what you're doing, though. I have uh, also been quoted there saying, there's no doubt that capitalism has moved the ball forward as far as marijuana legalization goes. Governments want the tax revenue. Entrepreneurs want to be part of the green rush. But the motivations are fundamentally different. Um, responsible, the Derek, they spoke to Derek Peterson of Terratech out in uh, Colorado. Responsible legislation equals responsible business. We have to be involved in legalization efforts because they open up markets for us. Something I've been telling a lot of the cannabis industry for a while now is if you're not investing back in normal drug policy alliance, marijuana policy project, or other groups, uh then you're not going to grow beyond your own state. And my quote here is about the civil rights in it. Even if we weren't making any money, locking up people for marijuana is not something we should do. It's a social justice issue for me. And so... This is where they talk about how there's a difference in legalization between the movement and the industry, specifically with respect to allowing home grow. According to the the report here, this is Mona Zhang writing, unsurprisingly, support from businesses for grassroots initiatives and legislation that favor home grow, allowing consumers to bypass the industry, is decidedly weaker. Adam Eidinger, who led the uh, Grow and Give Initiative 71 uh, in Washington, D.C., said, quote, We received a token amount from marijuana businesses, less than $5,000. Why? Well, because, oh, sure, it did the good thing of ending possession arrests, and it did the good thing of allowing people for home grow, but it didn't create a marijuana industry. So the marijuana industry wasn't that interested in supporting it. So, yeah, capitalism's a good thing in moving the ball forward. But remember, capitalism has capitalism's interests at heart. Business has the bottom line at heart. And if the bottom line is enhanced by denying home grow rights, which is what's happening in the legalization initiative in Nevada that's on the ballot right now, in Nevada, when they pass their legalization, if you live within 25 miles of a dispensary, a.k.a. a city in Nevada... If you live within 25 miles of a dispensary, you won't be able to home grow. That is a particular protectionist bit added into these types of legislation to protect the industry's interests. They don't want you competing with them. They don't want you home growing and not having to go to their marijuana store. That's just one of the ways that the business interests in marijuana legalization do not ally with the activist interests in marijuana legalization. There can be others as far as how these uh, laws get set up to uh, favor those with heavy capitalization, with the ability to show a million or $2 million in escrow or or, uh, available assets, ways of so-called, quote, weeding out the stoners, as Cannabrand might have said. Now, to be fair... There's a part of this article that talks about how, yes, some people on the cannabis side are not business ready, showing up late, not prepared, unkempt, but this uh, needs to be a two-way street here. This needs to be an integration where we both can work this. It's not that we need to rebrand cannabis or the people we, that use it. We need to show that the branding of cannabis and the people that use it isn't accurate. We can still have long hair and tattoos, just show that we're responsible and get to work on time.
7: It's a mystery! It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma!
2: It sure is. It's 420 here on the west coast oh my god i'm actually enjoying 420 in my own 420 i'm back home so many time zones i've been to five different time zones this year wow when we come back we'll talk more suits and stoners stick around
3: More
0: flavor. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak.
9: Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. and I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help contact normal at NORML.org or call toll free 888-67-normal.
2: Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today. Or check out its inventory on the web at FingerboardExtension.com. Go Wild Hog in the Woods!
0: Tuned into the Rush Belleville Show, the voice of the Marijuana Nation, only on cannabisradio.com.
2: Welcome back, everybody. The phone lines are open. We are live here at Rolla J Studios. If you feel like calling in, you got a question or a comment, a topic for suggestion, the phone line is for you to be the voice of the marijuana nation. We like hearing from all over the country. All we ask is your area code and your first name phone number here is 971-533-7111 that number once again 971-533-7111 toll free well it's not toll free it's not toll free it's a it's a it's a pay number do you, do you have to pay for phone calls anymore though I, i've been wondering this right so like doesn't almost everybody has a cell phone now right and you see there's still toll-free numbers 1-800-866-855-844-877 there's a bunch of them right bunch of toll-free numbers you can call but does anyone actually have to pay tolls anymore like isn't inter- like interstate united states phone calls aren't they aren't they free anymore i don't know but anyway the phone number is 971-533 seventy one eleven and we 're talking about this suits and stoner 's situation as the marijuana movement becomes legal, and I find myself kind of straddling both worlds because I come from a suits world right, but I also come from a stoner 's world by day. I used to work corporate jobs you know I used to work you know i worked on wall street i worked on silicon valley i 've worked in hospitals, military installations right we 're talking. Short haircut back in the day when I had hair, short haircut, suit, tie, totally corporate, right? That was my day gig. And then at night, I was a rock and roll musician, playing music in bars and hanging out and smoking weed and just living. So I, I've kind of got a, a foot in both worlds. And I understand, I understand the part where the suits have the problems with the stoners, right? The stereotypes of showing up late, not being serious, uh, immature, whatever it might be. And, and to be fair to them, there are some stoners that are like that. I mean, most stereotypes do have some kernels of truth to them. You can find people that match those stereotypes. But I think a larger factor here in that suits versus stoners thing from the suits side is inability to accept diversity. And I don't mean diversity in the standard, you know, like blacks and Latinos, gays and handicapped, you know, all people equal kind of thing, because, you know, legally speaking, they can't be that way. They have to be diverse, right? Legally speaking, corporation suits, you know, you have to, there's laws on this stuff, but I mean, diversity of thought, diversity of, attitude, diversity of personality, diversity of expression. That's what's missing in the suit world. And, and you know, it's cultivated from our very beginnings in, in grammar school. Be on time, sit down, be orderly. Everybody function the same way at the same time, doing the same thing, right? That sort of cubicle mind that gets harvested, that gets, that gets created in our public school system and and all the way through to, you know, be, be becoming a, a good worker at the factory or a good sales assistant on the floor or a good, uh, bureaucrat in the, in the cube. Okay. So in the corporate world, there's, there's that kind of orthodoxy, this, this rigid set of acceptable behaviors. And it's not to say that there's not, you know, fun and, and stuff, but it's also very regimented, right? There's like the, the Friday cake day for everyone's birthday kind of thing. The, the summer potluck for all the, the employees and their families, the Christmas party, that one time everybody gets a little too drunk, right? But very measured and controlled bits of fun. And so to that world, to that suits world, looking over on the stoner side where everybody's kind of carefree and easy going and wearing what they want and relaxed and going to concerts and taking drugs and having fun. And it's a little threatening and it's a little, there's a little jealousy to it. Oh man. I didn't, I wish I didn't have these kids in this mortgage, man. I'd, I'd go follow the dead too, or I'd go follow fish or I'd go follow. I don't know. I don't know those bands. So make it up for me. Will you (laughs) Mo. Okay. (laughs) I'll go follow Mo. Uh, There's some jealousy there because these people, in a sense, are wage-slaved out and they're chained to jobs that they don't necessarily love or even like. And they look over to the, the stoner side. It's like, wow, you guys are you guys are making money in weed and and still like having fun and still have a libertine attitude and a progressive attitude and. Man, I I picked wrong when I picked accounting. Shit, I should have stuck with the weed. I was smoking with the kids in school, back behind the bar. Oh my god. (laughs) Right? So there can be that attitude of jealousy, that attitude of uh that 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 feeling of of envy on their side. Then on the other side, let's look at it from the other side, because I come from that world too. I come from the stoner world. And in the stoner world, there's just kind of this default setting about capitalism and corporations and the evil of the man, right? It's just, there's, there's a natural distrust of the whole, it, it goes, you know, goes back to reggae culture. Goes goes, you know, hey Babylon, Babylon is going to take over, right? That, that whole attitude that the, from, the, from the stoner side that looks at the suit side and sees nothing but a rapacious, consuming beast of capitalism that, that tarnishes everything it touches and turns everything to greed. And to be fair, (laughs) there's not – like I said, there's kernels of truth in all stereotypes, right? There's a lot of that in capitalism too. And I get frustrated being in the middle sometimes. Sometimes I get frustrated when I look at the stoner side and the stoner side thinks it can remake capitalism. Cannabis will somehow be different (laughs) than all these other capitalistic goods that are sold and bought. It'll be different. It's not going to be different. It's it's a consumer good that all people like and want. It's not going to be that different. But on the other side, I see the corporate people wanting to excise the stoner part out and almost, you know, validating what the stoner side is saying that, yeah, we do want to excise the stoner part out and turn this into a capitalistic uh, uh, quantity that can be bought and sold and like liquor or like gambling or like alcohol or, or, or cigarettes or whatever. So so both sides are, are coming at this with perspectives that are not wrong from their point of view. So the question becomes, what do we do? How do we, what do we do in the middle here? What do we do to make this a little bit better? Well, one thing I think is to make sure that those of us on the stoner side start to show ourselves as a culture and a people, right? I think for too long, this has been about the plant, the drug, the marijuana's it's been about the reefers about the sub the the substance itself rather than the people who take that substance and I get in trouble when I start treading in these waters sometimes because I have a very civil rights attitude toward marijuana use and that attitude is that I am a marijuana smoker oops and I'm dropping shit in the studio oh just hot sauce. So anyway, I'm dropping stuff in the studio. Now, I have this very civil rights attitude toward marijuana and marijuana users in that we are a people, not just people that use a substance. When I'm in the South for an extended period of time, and I'm not smoking marijuana for an extended period of time, allegedly, I don't stop being a stoner if I stopped smoking pot for a year, allegedly, would I stop being a stoner? Is it the act of smoking pot that makes you a stoner or is it something more than that? It's an interesting question because if that's true, if being a stoner is being part of a culture, then is that culture on the wane? Is that culture dependent on it being prohibited? Like, How many of you'd be smoking joints with some of the people you smoke joints with if the illegality of it didn't force you all into the same circumstances and the same situations? Would there be stoners in a totally legalized world? Well, I think there would be. I think there is because I think being a stoner is more than just being an outlaw. It's more than us just all sharing the same persecution. That may have... Contributed to our culture and may have shaped our culture, but it's not the sole determinant of our culture. I really think that people who smoke pot on a regular basis, who form a relationship with it, where it becomes a part, permanent part of their life and well-being are fundamentally different people than those who do not. And and in that group of those who do not, I would even include the people who occasionally smoke pot because they like to get high, but aren't really stoners. And, and I'm using the term stoner here just because it's shorthand and it's easy. We could we can have we can have another we can have another name if you don't like that. Tokers is the one I like. I like tokers. I think that works for me. But tokers is a little inaccurate too because we got people now that dab or vaporize, and so I don't know. Tokers tends to imply a joint. <clears throat> but I do think that we're a people. I, I, I think, you know, physically in a sense we are because physically our bodies are retaining uh, the phytocannabinoids. We're, ret- we're retaining THC and its metabolites in our fat cells long after we have ceased using the cannabis. So even just on a biological definition, by the fact that we have phytocannabinoids in our body, we are a different people than the people who do not have phytocannabinoids in their body, my thinking. But it's difficult because I have, you know, you could become an ex-stoner, I suppose. You could stop smoking pot permanently, and a lot of people do. So would they no longer be stoners after after enough time has passed when all the phytocannabinoids have exited their body, haven't been actively smoking pot, Would they would they still be stoners? Tommy Chong was in prison for nine months, didn't smoke pot for nine months. Certainly all the phytocannabinoids had exited the system within that nine-month period, but I don't think any of us would say Tommy Chong at any point was not a stoner. It's just, the more I think about it, the more I feel it, It just feels this way. And And I hate saying it feels this way because I'm all about logic and looking things up and reason. And I want to make a really well-reasoned argument about this, but at its core, it just comes down to my feeling. And it comes down to my feeling that me and my friends and damn near everybody I know and most of the people that are listening to me are a people. We are a culture. We are a definable ethnicity in this country. And to discriminate against us isn't, isn't some safety mechanism having to do with how a substance might affect people primarily because most of those determinations are based on metabolites that have nothing to do with how the plant might affect people it's clearly discrimination against us as a people for the the content of our bodies right we can't discriminate against people based on the relative melanin content in their skin can we no we cannot we cannot discriminate against people because of the relative contents of various pharmaceuticals in their system. Americans with Disability Act, right? Can't do that. We aren't supposed to discriminate against people based on whether they have XX chromosome or XY chromosome or even any of the, the other varieties that happen from time to time. XXY, XYY can't discriminate against people for that, but we can discriminate against them because they have phytocannabinoid metabolites in their system. We even protect people who believe imaginary fairy tales of one type or another, but not people with phytocannabinoids. Hmm.
0: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
9: As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe
0: you're high, too.
3: Hello and welcome all you high-flying, die-trying, roll-a-filly-blunt-for-your-friend-hemsters, every-roach-smoking-bong-token, however-you-get-your-THC-can-enthusiasts, all you rebels, individualistic-originals, and outside-the-box-ganja-warriors, you chunky monkey cherry garcia munchy loving hamsters, all you captive-earth-surfers, astral-travelers, and ganja-loving-canosaurs, all you high-flying, wide-smiling, ganjarific cannabophiles, welcome to everyone... Except Donald Trump supporters, because that's how
2: I really feel.
4: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
0: Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing... I'm I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Almost 39 after the hour. We got some great shows coming up here the rest of this week, and it's going to be a fast and furious week, let me tell you. Tomorrow, we've got Hemp Day Hump Day... We've got uh, our good friend Doug Fine telling us the latest updates in industrial hemp. I believe we've got another couple of states that have passed hemp laws. We'll find out on tomorrow's show. Thursday, I am flying to Washington, D.C. be working at the normal national offices in Washington, Washington D.C. And I've got 90 minutes from the time my plane lands before the show starts. And we'll just see. Uh, I've got to make my way out to, uh, Keith Strop's residence. Yes, folks, I am staying at the, uh, house of the founder of normal. (laughs) My good friend Keith Strop always likes to put me up when I'm in Washington DC and who am I to turn him down? So we'll hope crossing our fingers. I make it from Reagan National to Keith's place in time because we got to get baggage and we got to get the, uh, you know, cab or the Uber, whatever. Fingers crossed. We should be doing our show live uh, from Keith Stropp's house on Thursday. And then Friday uh, as well. Now, Thursday is our regular Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment. We'll be speaking with another great law enforcement official with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. On Friday, we've got a special extended interview. And this, again, will be taking place in Washington, D.C. Uh, from Keith Stropp's house. We will have Lauren Vazquez, my fired up lawyer. And Mickey Norris, uh, they will both be on the line to discuss the adult use of marijuana act in California and I just posted my uh my latest radical rant column in High Times on this very very subject and uh I came up with it it, 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 it was the idea that came to me was, if we were proposing prop 215 as legalization would the stoners against legalization support it and and so i wrote it up as imagine that they're proposing and i didn't i didn't say it at the beginning of the column either right i said they're proposing a new kind of legalization it's called personal partial legalization licenses personal partial legalization licenses it works like this marijuana is illegal And if you're caught with it, you can get a $100 ticket, right? They're going to make it so it's a $100 ticket if you're caught with marijuana. If you're caught with more than an ounce or you're caught with any marijuana on a school grounds, it's a misdemeanor and you can get jail time and a fine for that. And if you're caught even growing one plant, it's a felony and you can get 16 months to three years. This is the personal partial legalization licenses. Now, those are the crimes, but there is a license. And if you go pay the government a $50 license every year, you can carry around an ounce and not get the ticket. And you can grow some plants, but not everywhere, right? There's some pla- some places are not going to let you grow plants at all. And you'll have a place to go shop for weed, except not everywhere, cuz a lot of places will ban shops for weed. Now the license, you pay the government this license, $50 license every year. It's an easy enough license that just about anybody can get it. The only requirement for the license is you have to tell the government why you're using marijuana. That's it. Do you think the Stoners Against Legalization would be for that legalization? A legalization that has a $50 license requirement, a legalization that doesn't legalize home growing everywhere, a legalization that uh, doesn't guarantee that there'll be any pot shops where you live only legalizes possession of an ounce. Do you think, do you think they'd be for it? No, they'd be screaming bloody murder. That's not true. Legalization. And then that's where at the end of the column, I say, yeah, just take out personal license with recommendation government with doctor. And you've got prop two fifteen. <laughs> that's exactly what California has now. A personal limited legalization license a license that doesn't even protect you from arrest cops can still arrest you for weed. you can just then go to court and have your lawyer show that you had a personal use license and then they'll throw out the prosecution but you still have to you know pay for the lawyer that's what the Californians are dealing with right now right rather than have the adult use of marijuana act that lowers or legal lowers the penalties or legalizes in every way except public token. Public token goes up from hundred bucks to 250 as a fine. But in every other way, the penalties get lower. At worst, they're the same, but most of them get much lower and it legalizes weed. I think the most frustrating thing to me in trying to deal with these people that are anti adult use of marijuana act is them not understanding the power of legal weed. Just how powerful legal weed is. Because even under Decrim, it's also, hey, but California's Decrim, man. It's just Decrim. Which means it's still illegal. Hey, well, we got medical, man. Prop 215's all we ever need. Yeah, medical means it's still illegal. Both Decrim and medical do not change the fact that the smell and sight of cannabis are excuse enough for a cop to fuck with you. Now, it may not happen. You might have a card. You might be in the Bay Area and, you know, police see you smoking a joint and it's no big deal. So good for you. But it ain't that way for everybody in California, in lots of places in California, where they have bans on indoor and outdoor cultivation, where the cops aren't so friendly to weed and would like to go to the hassle of busting you and then you having to provide your recommendation in court. And so long as marijuana is still illegal, even decrim, that means drug dogs still have a job. Dogs that sniff pot still have a job. And those dogs can be used to hassle people on the roadside or to secure warrants for people's houses based on the smell of weed. Because the smell of weed is still illegal because weed is still illegal. So I hope folks will be listening in Friday because we're going to take calls too. We'll take calls. If you've got questions about the adult use of marijuana act, Oh no, it's going to destroy medical marijuana. No, it's not going to destroy medical marijuana. It's it gets frustrating I tell you having to deal with, you know, the sky is falling coming from both sides. <laughs> like the prohibitionists. Oh my god, we can't legalize. Uh, kids won't go to school, they'll drop out, there'll be massive wrecks on the roads. The black market will still be running. Uh, that's, you know, there's the sky is falling from the prohibition side. And then from the stoner side, you get, oh my God, it'll be a corporate takeover. It'll be a monopoly. Weed will cost $600 an ounce and be loaded with pesticides. And uh, everybody calm down a little bit. This is not new. We've got four states that have legalized marijuana already. We've got. District of Columbia that has grow and give marijuana already. And it's not the end of the world. No matter how much some of these places try to make it the end of the world, they're inventing problems now. In Oregon, we invented the problem of secondhand cannabis vapor. Oh my God. Secondhand cannabis vapor. Oh, that, that could be bad for people. No, it's not. <laughs> It gets so frustrating. So I was in Anchorage, Alaska this past weekend, right? And I'm there at the Northwest Cannabis Classic, and they have their after parties at the Potluck Event Center, which is at 420 West 3rd Avenue. That's literally its address, 420 West 3rd Avenue in Anchorage, Alaska. And there's, you know, 90 to 100 people maybe in this lounge. Nice, cozy, easy chairs a crystal chess set, if people want to play chess, a nice bar, good music playing, a a big projector screen on the stage with all sorts of spinning fractal, you know, kaleidoscopic kind of visuals. People dabbing, people smoking joints, people passing pipes, using bongs. At the bar, you could buy soda pop, you could buy Italian sodas, hand-mixed Italian sodas. They had energy drinks as well. And best of all, behind the bar where the liquor bottles should be row upon row of glass jars of bulk candy, like M&M's and Skittles and Reese's pieces and gummy bears, everything you could want. And they're free because it's a membership, private membership club. And those are free for the members. The, the drinks I think you had to buy, but uh, the candy was free. You could get a little two ounce cup of M&M's to go with your joint. And it's a bring your own cannabis it's like these clubs aren't even asking to be to have the same rules and 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 abilities as as liquor bars do they're not even asking to be able to sell the weed they they just want to be a place a private place private club membership where adults can gather indoors and smoke some pot together and you'd think outside of Alaska you'd think that this was the next coming of the apocalypse the end of the planet if we had a pot bar. This potluck events in Alaska couldn't be more mellow, couldn't be more laid back. Teresa Collins was telling me that she had her 420 event. There were 500 people at the event. How many DUIs or wrecks after the event? Zero. I saw a lot of cabs coming and going to this place, too. People aren't stupid. They're, they're taking care of themselves. And better than they do with alcohol, because with alcohol, people get that macho courage thing. I could drive. I'm just fine. That doesn't happen with weed. When people are too high on weed, they go, oh, shit, man, I am too fucking high. (laughs) And they don't drive. Or they get a friend to drive them. Or they chill out for a bit. They get an Italian soda, and they wait until they're not too high. This has never been a problem. People act as if legalizing weed suddenly unleashed the stoners in their cars. Oh my God, we legalized weed. They might drive like we weren't driving before. There's 28 million people in this country that are smoking marijuana at least once a year. I bet some of them drive. And yet, year after year, the fatality rates keep going down. And they're lower in the states that have legalized medical or recreational pot. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA.gov. Look it up for yourself. Don't trust me. Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska all have lower per 100 million mile fatalities than states that don't have legal weed. Pick one. It's just, it's, you know, being up there in Alaska and seeing this club operating and knowing that Washington made it a felony. The legislators in Washington were so terrified of the idea of a pot bar, they made such a thing a felony. There was nothing felonious going on at the Alaska Cannabis Club. It was a bunch of adults sitting around, listening to music, eating candy, drinking stuff, and getting high as hell. And nothing bad happened. There are no fights. There's no belligerence. There's no problems. It just leads me to think that these people just fundamentally have no idea what being high is, right? It, it goes back to that idea of the drug user as, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, that parable, this idea that you're perfectly mouth and then you smoke the demon reefers and the next thing you know, all hell breaks loose. It, well, it doesn't. Smoking weed just makes you a more reflective, mellow version of what you already are. That's all. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's why they don't like it. Hmm.
0: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
9: Christian convictions are under attack as never before.
0: Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
2: Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs.
9: Coming soon to a city
2: near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com.
0: I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named... Freddie Rock has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a skunk. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, welcome back, everybody. Just a few minutes here for us to tidy up and uh, get on out of the studio. Reminder that uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we got the Stoner Jesus Show, our other live production here on CannabisRadio.com. So tomorrow at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and 4 p.m. Alaska Time, <laughs> you can catch Stoner Jesus, the greatest podcast ever created. <laughs> I just read it, folks. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not. Uh, so yeah, Alaska, man, I tell you. And as as global warming, you know, climate change has a greater effect on this planet, Alaska's going to be going to be much more popular than it already is. I'm telling you. I was there in Anchorage for 3 days and the days, by the way, are like 20 hours long this time of year, right? They're so far north that it starts getting light around 4:30 in the morning, starts getting dark around 11:30 at night, which is very trippy after you've been partying all night long and you go outside and it's still light out. That's a little weird. But for those three days I was up there in Anchorage, it was like 70 degrees. It was nice. I had locals telling me that, yeah, you come here in a really nice time of year, man. It's never this nice. It's usually 40, you know, 50 degrees. It's just really nice. And while I was there in the hotel room, I watched um, a documentary or a news piece, I guess, Uh, from one of the local news stations, it wasn't PBS either, it was one of like the main affiliates, ABC or something, that, uh, did, it was doing a piece on climate change. And it was talking to these villagers in these remote Alaskan villages that have subsisted on hunting seals, right? That, that are, that are perched on the ice, right? And they can't subsist that way anymore. There's no more ice. The ice has gone away. There's not enough ice to support a man to be able to go across the ice to get the seal. Right, he's like, yeah, I could shoot the seal, but I got no way to go get it. It's there's not enough, you know, strong enough ice. And and showing these maps and these and these uh, photographs from observatories in Alaska that have chronicled over the past century the complete retreat and disappearance of glaciers. Right, this is not theory in Alaska. This whole climate change thing, this is real to them, and it's it's changing a lot of lives and a lot of livelihoods, a lot of ways of life are being completely changed. And I think as this accelerates, and I do believe it will, and a lot of the more Southern regions become more inhospitable, Canada and Alaska are going to be some prime places to live. So I'm saying, find yourself some great land up there in uh, the Yukon or up in Alaska, find a nice spot, buy it now while it's cheap. Cause, um, I don't think those glaciers are coming back anytime soon. Sad to say it. Well, folks, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here live in Rolla J Studios, and I'm getting ready for a dog date. It may be my last dog date with my dog, Roscoe. My ex-wife uh, has custody of the dog, and she's moving to Coral Gables, Florida in just a couple of weeks. So this may be it. Roscoe, the official dog. 420 Radio, Roller J Studios, and the Russ Belleville Show. But for everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
9: You grow it, you try it, you roll it, you it. You take a seed, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke in You take a seed, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, giant, you smoke in And it goes down to Hey.
7: <laughs>